Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Bloodthirsty Pugs Podcast. Now a lot of you out there have had uh, rough childhoods or rough teenage years or maybe a crazy uh, decade of your 20s. Um, you've seen some stuff and you persevered. And in the spirit of self-improvement, since I'm on this kick of growth and, and, and trying to learn and get better, my guest today is going to tell her story of what she's seen and what she has done to pick herself up and move forward. Here we go. <laughs> so we are here. It is me, Dustin, and I'm sitting here with one of my best friends in the world. I feel like I've been saying that a lot, but Taylor Rice. And she is, not only is she my best friend and my wife's best friend, but she also lives with us. And she is kind of like a nanny for our kids. So when I go to work every day and my wife Holly goes to work every day, Tay is here at home and she takes care of the kids and everything. And it's great. It is really awesome. And um, so we're going to talk today about Taylor's story um, because she's got a crazy one. And it's definitely a crazy one compared to mine. Um, so uh, what do you think, Tay? You ready to go? Where do you want me to start? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So... Um, what would be funny, not funny, but interesting is if I set up how, what my life was like, mm -hmm. because then when you tell your tale, it's probably going to be very different. Pretty so, much like a polar opposite. Yes. <laughs> so, um, a lot of people have had a similar story to me. I had a very good upbringing, very good childhood. Um, my parents stayed together for my entire childhood. Um, there was no like abuse or anything crazy in the household. Um, I was raised very strict Christian, so we all went to church every Sunday. Um, we didn't have alcohol in the house. There was no drugs or smoking or anything like that. Um, I pretty much wasn't around my extended family because they were not Christian, and they, you know, they smoked cigarettes or they drank alcohol or they cussed. So we kind of stayed away from that. And I guess I think my mom and dad's idea was to save us from that so we weren't exposed to it or whatever. Um, so I had, you know, pretty much a great childhood, kind of normal, um, went to school, grew up, did all the normal stuff that kids do, I played sports. I got a summer job at 16 at Taco Bell for two years. Uh, my parents pushed me to go to college. Uh, they really encouraged me and helped me get student loans. And I went to college, got my four-year degree, then I got my master's degree, and now I'm a happy special ed teacher at this school. And so my life has just been hunky-dory and very easy for me and I try not to take that for granted and I feel like I do a lot so how does I guess go ahead and what's your story Tay? Well I mean I was a bastard child <laughs> I was born out of wedlock um my mom sort of had to tell my dad um hey I'm pregnant and I'm keeping it regardless and what you choose to do is what you choose to do and my dad chose to stay with my mom and raise me and which is very rare that's awesome. yes yes it is and after that they ended up getting married and I have a younger brother who is one of my best friends in the whole world we connect on intense levels he's amazing or I'm sorry they're amazing <laughs> and um my dad got a job because he had to basically for the benefits and the money because of now having to provide for a family but he monogamy was difficult for my father all throughout my parents marriage like looking back I can see that every argument that I overheard as a child was because my dad was not faithful to my mother so that was a common theme growing up to me and I remember in middle school my mom went to 
she went to I think it was New Mexico for hypnotherapy school she was discovering her spirituality and trying to find her niche because she was pregnant with me at 21 and she never had the opportunity to explore what she wanted to do or anything like that so finally once me and my brother got older and could kind of fend for ourselves and she depended on my dad she was exploring herself and what she wanted to do but during that time my father's alcoholism got very intense and me at 11 years old I not only was taking care of myself and in the mornings like getting myself ready for school and getting myself on the bus and you know like having to think about lunch for the day and then after school like not only doing my homework but helping my brother learn at the same time and while my dad was working and out at the bar so you said your mom went to school where did she go again she was in new mexico it new was mexico, a okay. hypnotherapy school is one that she went to for sure so she she moved out there she did she okay. rented in an apartment there for the i think it was two months so she was there for two months and then mm -hmm. you were okay so then it was just you your brother and then you're with your dad for mm -hmm. those two months okay yep. and my dad i don't know if i mentioned his career was he was an iron worker so he worked on buildings and helped build bridges and stuff like that that's super cool so he you know would wake up very early in the morning to go to work oftentimes when i was getting ready to go to school and stuff he was already gone headed to work and then he wouldn't come home until five six seven o'clock in the evening so it was up to you to make sure that you and your brother were awake in the morning mm -hmm. <laughs> and fed and get on did you ride the bus to school yes oh yeah i i rode the bus as well and had to be out there by a certain time it was like six forty-five, waiting for the bus and if you weren't there they would just mm -hmm. leave without you and wow. if we want to touch on my dad's alcoholism i remember i was in sixth grade at the time and i don't know if for you sixth grade camp was a thing mm -hmm. so you know i had my big ass duffel bag mm -hmm. with all my clothes and stuff for the week for sixth grade camp and because my mom was away and my dad had gone to work I was trying to tote this huge duffel bag Aww. onto the bus, but it was too wide and it wouldn't fit through the doors. And I just remember being so embarrassed <laughs> because the bus driver had to put the bus in park and get up and help me. And I was just mortified because every other kid was being dropped off, you yeah. know, like, but I didn't have that luxury. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. So that was very embarrassing. But yes, I used to have to, at about 11 years old, not only care for myself, but my brother, who is three years younger than, than me. Mm -hmm. So already your story is quite different than mine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we had, um, you know, at that age time for me, like my parents were waking us up at 6 a.m. And my mom had this intercom in our room and she would she wouldn't even come up to our room. She would just because my brothers and I shared a room. She would just get on the intercom and just sing like. It's time to get up. It's time to get up. Oof. It's time to get up in the morning. That sounds horrible. Yeah, she would, she would do really shrill. But then we would have breakfast together every morning. The three of us would sit down and we'd have cereal or oatmeal. And um, usually dad was there as well. And we, mm -hmm. as a family, we, we would like eat breakfast and then we would pray See, together. See, the one memory school. I ever have growing up with my dad, you know, and being up for school and stuff is there was one short period where my brother wasn't in school yet so i was pretty young but my dad and i were awake and getting ready 
to start our days at the same time. And in his lunchbox, as he was packing, he had some cookies left over from the next day. And he gave me cookies for breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) And that night at dinner, I said to my dad, I really like those cookies you gave me, blah, 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 blah. But I had dry snitched to my mom that he gave me cookies for breakfast at 7 a.m. or whatever it was. And my mom was mad. And so then my dad pulled me aside later that evening and was like, I'm never doing anything like that again. You got me in trouble. Like <laughs> Classic dad move. Yeah. <laughs> was he was he pretty upset about that? Was uh, he serious, you think? or? I think... I don't know. That's a tough call because he was mad that he quote unquote got in trouble, but Mm -hmm. he also did understand that I, I mean, I was maybe seven years old or something like that. So I didn't understand that Uh, that wasn't okay mm -hmm. or that I shouldn't have told my mom that he gave me cookies for breakfast. You know, (laughs) like I'm a kid. Of course I want cookies for breakfast. Yeah. And of course I'm going to thank my dad for giving me cookies for breakfast. You're just being polite. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think he was actually genuinely angry. I think he was just kind of like trying to correct me, but did it in the wrong way. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Because apparently how he was raised was chaos. He has four or five siblings and he got a job when he was 14 years old. And there was one time I remember my mom telling me the story that when he was 14 years old, had already dropped out of school, by the way. My dad never finished high school. That's one area where we're definitely similar. My dad was the same way. Mm-hmm. I think around 14 or 15 he dropped out. Yep, or something. He, he dropped out at about 14 years old and had a full-time job. And there was one day where my dad asked his father to drive him to work. But my dad's father was drunk and tossed my dad the keys and said, oh, take yourself at 14 years old. Mm. Like, And he also had – I know he has – two sisters and two brothers I'm so disconnected from my dad's side of the family and we've always been distant even when I was young and we were kind of connected Mm -hmm. we never really have been in touch so I don't even know exactly how many aunts and uncles I have on my dad's side it's it's pretty iffy yeah that's I mean that was kind of my story too I think for different reasons maybe but Mm -hmm. I'm not I mean, a lot of my uncles and aunts have passed away, and I never got mm-hmm. to know them that well. And even now, it's just, just we're just not that close. Yeah. So from there, how, so where do things go? So your mom comes back from hypnotherapy school? Is yes. That what it was? Okay. Um, she is livid. I remember the morning she was supposed to come home, and I was getting myself and my brother ready to go to school, and my dad was getting ready to go to work. And we had in that house a door to like our side yard in the kitchen and my dad had I remember he went outside three different times both times with a bottle of alcohol in his hands and just stepped outside the door and was dumping them just getting rid of all of the evidence that Mm. he was being not okay and I, I remember that so clearly I feel like that's an image that will never leave my head and at the time I didn't understand so uh, that that i guess that reminds me let's back up so what Mm -hmm. did that alcoholism look like when when your mom was in new mexico and your dad was really struggling with that what i mean do you remember what you saw was he was he there was one time that is very clear in my head where i was it was just a typical morning at first but i noticed my dad's vehicle was still in the driveway 
So I went to go check on him, and he was in bed in my parents' room, sleeping still, when he should have been getting ready for work or even have left for work. I'm not entirely sure. And I, you know, kind of poked him and was like, oh, hey, uh, and he got pissy with me. He got angry. Um, so I left. I was, at that point, kind of afraid of him. He was, he got angry with me all the time. And then... Tiernan, my brother, went in there, and his first step into the room, he stepped in a pile of my dad's puke. Aww. Yeah. So, and that's even something I know my brother remembers, because we've talked about it in recent months. Mm-hmm. So that is a serious moment that is locked in my brother's head, I feel like. And then, you know, like when Tiernan stepped in the puke he made a noise and it disturbed my dad sleeping and my dad got mad at Tiernan for Tiernan stepping in his yep. puke <laughs> your dad was probably hung over and mm-hmm. that affected all that stuff oh too. yeah he was not pleased so was he was he going to work do you know that day yeah like, I well, mean in any, that moment he <laughs> like during those two months was he just like every night he would just drink through the night yeah he just... he basically my dad was getting up in the morning at 6 7 a.m headed to work but on all of his breaks his you know his short breaks his lunch breaks and then after work he was drinking i don't know if he was drinking on the job or not or drinking before work or anything like that but i know on his breaks and during lunch he was Mm -hmm. at the bar and definitely after work he was at the bar because after my brother and i would get home from school he was gone until well after i went to bed so he was just like not even in the house he was out drinking somewhere and then if he was in the house he had several guests over and young women Mm -hmm. like he uh was not faithful to my mother i see and they were younger women like i remember one of the women i met or one of the women i don't know how to say that properly (laughs) but one of them i met um was the older sister of a girl in my class oh gosh so that was a thing in a small town (laughs) <laughs> and and she recognized me she was like oh my gosh i remember last year you were at my little sister's birthday party that's awkward <laughs> it was <laughs> and especially at 11 12 years old like you don't know exactly what's going on but you have an idea yeah you know like you know something is wrong mm-hmm. you know something is out of place you don't know like oh like my dad is sleeping with this young woman or yeah. whatever but you know something is weird at the very least yeah and that to me like i wasn't okay but then if i ever said anything he would get mad at me like if you ever asked like who are they mm-hmm. or something yep. like that he would get mad at me and mm. say it was none of my business he would like get defensive hmm. wow <sighs> so then your mom comes home from school, and you remember very cl- clearly he's getting rid of the evidence. He's, mm-hmm. like, dumping everything out. Yep. What happened? I mean, did your mom catch him getting rid of the evidence or no. anything like that? Nope. No. No. Okay. She didn't really know exactly what was going on until she came back home in October or November. Because when she went away, it was fall time, mm-hmm. sort of the beginning of the school year and everything. So she came back home, like, October, November. But I remember... That New Year's, we, you know, my mom, my brother, my dad, and me, we were all having a family New Year's celebration because, I mean, I was 11, 12 years old, and then my brother was 
eight, nine years old. Mm -hmm. So we were all, you know, like watching it on TV and having snacks. But our house phone started to ring. And my mom answered. And it was that older sister I was talking about earlier (laughs) wanting my dad to come over. And that's kind of when stuff really started to hit the fan. So uh, <laughs> so your mom answers the phone and does mm-hmm. this does this girl just like, "Hey, uh Is Bruce there?" Is Bruce can he did, Okay. I mean, did she actually ask like, "Hey, I, I was just wondering if I Bruce I feel come like over maybe or, this woman, this other woman thought maybe it was me uh, on the phone <laughs> and asked for my dad and my mom was like, "Who is this?" And then that's when things really got uh brought to the surface happy new year yeah <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah <laughs> and i remember my mom was still on the phone i can like picture it in my head she sends me and my brother to bed like you guys have to go to bed like mm-hmm. you know doing the hand motion and everything but i mean like i said it's i was at the age where i know things aren't right but I don't know exactly what's happening. Like, mm-hmm. I don't exactly understand, like, cheating and what that is or anything like that. Yeah. I just know something's wrong. What Do you know what year that was? Let's see. I probably was in sixth or seventh grade, so 2006, 2007. Okay. What a way to end the year. <laughs> All right, so then what was the next year like from there? <laughs> well, my dad got sober. Okay, did he have, um, how did he do that? Whoa, um, hit my mic. Part of it was my mom gave him an ultimatum. And the other part of it was, I don't know if you remember, like, the the housing thing that happened. Like, when people got all of these, what was it? refinances or something like that or um basically when the housing market crashed that was like 2008 yes so So my dad signed up for that and we got screwed over we lost that house and that is why we live on the same property my mom's parents live on so the housing market the the crash of 08 Mm -hmm. hurt you guys bad yes we lost our house we lost one of our vehicles i can um the, the the lead singer of my favorite band emery they kind of did the same thing like they bought this house and they were you know they had all these plans for the future and then the housing market crash happened and he ended up when he finally was able to sell the house he took a loss on it like mm-hmm. he sold it for like twenty thousand. yeah my, less my dad had to do bankruptcy wow that sucks yeah See, i was it was i yeah. wasn't even phased by that like so uh 2008 i was a junior in high school and i remember hearing about it no i was a senior in high school um, and I remember like knowing that there was some sort of market crash, recession, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, but like it didn't affect me at all. Like my parents both had jobs. Our houses were fine. Everything just, yeah, it whatever. affected me like directly. I suppose wow. I could say because we lost our house. We lost a vehicle. We had to, in the summer between my eighth grade year and then my freshman year of high school is when, um, my mom's parents have a house on 10 acres and then they had a large barn in the back which the back of that barn was converted to one bedroom a small living room and a bathroom and then the front part was a barn Mm -hmm. and in a summer my dad and my grandpa and my mom converted that into a three-bedroom house with a kitchen with a fully functioning bathroom all of it 
wow. because we needed somewhere to live. Yeah, talk about a motivator. You got to <laughs> yeah. live somewhere. Yeah. Wow. And I remember having to help, you know? Like, what was what was that like for your parents? So your parents, uh, your your dad has struggled with alcoholism and all this stuff. Well, my dad had gotten faithful. sober by then. So but he's sober now. Was he was he now being more faithful to your mom? No. Okay. At the time, it seemed like he was, but looking back and you know things being uncovered since then, no, he was not. He had somebody who he worked with sort of mm-hmm. and was seeing regularly for multiple years in a row. Because I would imagine, like, remodeling a barn and doing something huge like that, like, <laughs> I know what... Oh, he found the time. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, like, with, you know, if I do some small project in the house, mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm, like, redoing the floors or whatever, that is, like, hard on mm-hmm. Holly and I. Like, <laughs> I mean, we either pull together or we pull apart. It puts that stress on the relationship. So I would... I was just no, wondering No, my dad was... Yeah. I don't know. He was the kind of person who could make everything great and have a great time with me and my brother and my mom and everything like that but still like find an excuse to leave and be unfaithful he had some demons yeah he had a lot of demons so then like the the remodeling part was actually kind of fun though i mean it was kind of like i did not enjoy it oh okay i mean i didn't like it i was mad i felt almost kind of embarrassed Mm. you know that my family is broke we have no money like that's embarrassing when you're going into high school I know it's not important because you know at the end of the day we still had a place to live we still had what we needed yeah but at that age that is kind of detrimental yep and that was kind of embarrassing to tell my friends like oh yeah we lost our house (laughs) so we're we're building a new one in my grandparents backyard a barn (laughs) Yeah. We lost our house. We're moving to a barn now. Even still today, my mom still lives there. And when I, you know, brought you and Holly over for Mm -hmm. Christmas, I was still a little like, well, on the outside, it's a barn. But you know, when you walk in, it's beautiful. It is gorgeous. I loved, I Mm -hmm. loved that house. It's it's beautiful. You can even tell if you're inside, you would never guess it was Mm -hmm. a barn in somebody's backyard. You would never guess. And then also during that time when they were converting the barn and everything, my mom's mom, who lived on that property, was stage four terminal lung cancer. Mm. Like, that spring, she had been given the chance of, okay, so we don't treat you and we don't know how long you'll live, but if we do give you chemo, you have the summer, at least. Like, you definitely have the summer. And because there was, you know, I have so many cousins, and she had so many grandkids and everything, she was like, okay, like, I'll take that summer with my grandkids. Like, that's worth everything. So, you know, my my grandma is dying, the one that I'm close to, the one that I care about, my mom's mom. Yeah. And we're also losing our house, and I'm going into high school and trying to go through all of that awkward tween phase, Mm -hmm. and... (laughs) So then, fast forward a couple months, I'm in high school, Uh, we're living there now, and my grandma is still dying, and my dad comes home one day, a little later than usual, and I remember that day, my mom was just sitting on our front porch, just, just sitting there, and my dad comes home, and they start talking outside, and then my dad comes inside and packs up some clothes, and... I was sitting on the couch in the living room and he comes 
he comes out of his bedroom and says to me, like, oh, I have to go away for a little while. And, I mean, I was 14. So, I mean, I knew something was wrong. And then yeah. if he's packing stuff, like, I know I'm not stupid. Yeah. At you know, 14, like, you know what's going I'm on. I'm not stupid. And on top of that, I'm already not a stupid person. So, yeah. And I asked him why, and he's like, oh, well, me and your mom aren't getting along. And I was like, no, why? And he just looked down, and he he couldn't even look at me anymore. Hmm. And then he tried to say, like, he was like, I love you, I'll see you soon. And I told him, I looked him in the eyes, and I was like, you're full of shit at 14 years old. Hmm. <laughs> and he just turned around and walked out the house. Like, he knew that he had messed up. He knew, like, yeah. some, like he knew he messed up a whole bunch of stuff. And then, probably two or three weeks, two or three weeks later, is when my mom's mom passed away. So not only am I dealing with, or my mom, or my brother yeah. dealing with a divorce, a, a split of the parents, but a grandparent, a close grandparent dying. I mean, and that's like, I mean, that's where you're living now, right? Mm -hmm. Like it was, it was, it was like separate buildings, but literally like a 10 second walk from each house. That's close Mm -hmm. for sure. Definitely. So then you, I mean, you're basically living with them. I mean, you're living in different places, but then you had, so that whole process. Yeah. It was like the kind of thing where if I need a cup of sugar to make something, Mm -hmm. I just have to walk for 10 seconds and be like oh hey grandpa can i have some sugar and you know it's kind of of thing it's probably kind of like our situation right now so we have the mother-in-law suite that's Mm -hmm. built onto this house where um holly's mom lives and the boys can just go over there and just say hi whenever so Mm -hmm. like that closeness is going to be yeah so then you probably had to even kind of see your grandma go through chemo i did i remember i remember seeing it i mean it's basically like seeing all of that if i ever end up having cancer i will not get chemo i will not after having to watch my grandma suffer and deteriorate and it got to the point where she just lived on the couch Mm -hmm. and she would ask me to walk to the fridge which was maybe 15 feet away from the couch she was on and she just always wanted (laughs) Pepsi on ice, but not bottled Pepsi, canned Pepsi, because they taste different. (laughs) And she would ask, and she always wanted a fresh can. She would never finish a can in the small glass she preferred. So I I would gladly do it, and I would just sit there on the floor leaning against the couch and hold her hand Hmm. as she was very sick, and to watch her deteriorate and be destroyed was very painful especially because on my dad's side of the family we have never been close i from a very young age never liked my dad's mother Mm -hmm. never so to see my one grandparent who i truly connected with deteriorate was very painful yeah i can imagine i i guess just to give you a break from talking a little bit (laughs) I did lose my grandpa on my dad's side to lung cancer as well, Mm. but because I wasn't close to my extended family, like I have like one image in my mind of him (laughs) and it was just him laying on a couch like And I don't know, I don't know what stage he was. Like, I don't know if he was, I don't know what he was going through. I just remember 
him laying on the couch and then he just yeah. wasn't a part of my life anymore so it was kind of it wasn't hard for me to lose him per se but it is kind of like man it would have been nice to like know my grandpa right kind of thing, so. and see I like my dad's dad I have one memory of him and that is visiting him in the hospital because he passed away of liver failure I believe it was from alcoholism mm-hmm. and I have one memory of actually seeing him and you know he was super sick in a hospital bed <laughs> that's rough <laughs> I, there's just <laughs> there's an awkward pause there because it's I like know. what do you i mean I what mean, can what you, you say, say? Talk about this? <laughs> so the reason we're the reason we're talking about this is i guess just to interject here for anybody who's who's still listening like this is kind of a sad tale um but the reason we're talking about it is because there is life and hope at the end of the story mm-hmm. and but there's so much story left yes <laughs> there's a lot of it left so and that's kind of this whole podcast is is about it's it's mainly framed and aimed at millennials so people that are our age and what we've gone through so we all have had parents who are basically baby boomers and a lot of us millennials have seen alcoholism or we've seen all these different things. Mm-hmm. A lot of us have had much harder lives than others, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's people listening that have had a harder life than even Tay. But the idea of this podcast is for us to grow and get better and to learn from mistakes mistakes or, and, and things we've gone through, all yes. that stuff. Yeah. So eventually when this story, when we get to the present day, we'll see that. It's going to be so beautiful. Yes. Because you know tay is now she's gotten through it and um you are are you you've put things in place in your life and you're growing mm-hmm. and you're you're learning new things and you're changing and mm-hmm. you're all this kind of stuff so this is a big this would be a long arc of a story <laughs> maybe it might be three episodes i don't know but it will kind of set the context for kind of where you're at and how you're still improving it's basically just going to tell you, like, no matter what life gives you and no matter what happens to you, I swear that you can come out better on the other side if you can just stick it out. Mm-hmm. And that's the moral of the story I'm trying to tell. <laughs> <laughs> Hang in there. Hang in there. Seriously. <laughs> it's so worth it. So, Dustin, next question. Okay. We're at about my freshman year of high school, which is, like, 11 12 years ago so now your your grandma has passed away mm-hmm. and my parents have, your split. parents have split and now you're in you said ninth grade yep freshman so now year. is teenage teenage <laughs> taylor <laughs> so what goes from here <laughs> which i mean already the average teenage female is always angry at their father <laughs> <laughs> and that's always an awkward relationship mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, me knowing that my dad was unfaithful to my mother, who is suffering the loss of her mother, mm-hmm. I was angry. I was very angry. Like, seeing my mother go through so much pain, and then my brother go through so much pain, and then the pain I was experiencing, I didn't want to spend time with my father at all. I did, because my mom made me the first couple of times. But then when I was spending time with my dad, he would tell me that I couldn't text my friends on my phone. Like, when you're spending time with me, you can't talk to your friends. Like, I want you to be engaged with me. But after two or three visits, I chose to stop 
going. How, how many, what was it like? Was it like you saw him on the weekends or? It was um, usually a weekday. I want to say Wednesdays. He would come and pick up me and my brother. And the one memory I do have, which might have been the only time I went, was my dad took my brother and I to a bowling alley where his friend worked there. So I'm sure it was either for free or for a discount, which mm-hmm. kind of makes me a little bit angry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, you know, we went, we were going bowling and I was texting a couple of my friends at the time. And he told me, like, you can't have your phone. Like, you can't talk to your friends. If you're hanging out with me, I want you to be engaged with me, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, he wouldn't let me pull out my phone and look at my phone. And this was during the age of the smartphone, too. So. E- sort of. It was... I mean, I had one of those, like, the ones where you can turn it sideways and flip it up to get the full keyboard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember those. Yep. And he, yeah, he would get mad if I pulled out my phone. And I, like I said, it might have only been one visit, but I, after that one time, I was already angry at him and I didn't want to go to that one visit. And after that, I don't think I saw him for a long time. I just was so angry. I saw how hurt my mother was. And I knew, you know, from that past experience when my mom went to New Mexico and everything, what happened. And I was angry at him for causing my mom so much pain. What type of, um, (laughs) I'm a teacher, so I got to, I'm just thinking (laughs) about this. What type of student were you that year? Because of, so my freshman year? Yeah, your parents split. You lost your grandma. You've got a lot of time at home. And you're a straight-A student in mm-hmm. ninth grade? So you're yep. still keeping it together even though Top you're experiencing 10. tons of trauma. Mm-hmm. So from my experience, that's not almost that's almost never the case. Like, But that also can be, um, you know, my dad caused that because I remember being in grade school bringing home grade cards. Mm-hmm. And if I showed my dad when he got home from work, if I had all A's and like a B plus, he would be like, well, why do you have a B? <laughs> he was that guy. He would not acknowledge all of the A's I had. Yeah. He would be like, oh, well, what's this B? And, like, looking back, I'm like, motherfucker, you didn't even do high school. <laughs> you asked me how to spell the word orange the other day. For real. Which literally actually happened. My dad asked me how to spell the word orange. Mm-hmm. I used to help my dad read when I was in middle school. He was so illiterate, illiterate and uneducated. But he would criticize me for my B plus. So your relationship with him was starting to really fall apart there, right? I mean, probably. He's I criticizing mean, your grades, and and that's you know when I was eight years old, maybe that's just a guesstimate, but all of that. So the criticizing grades things happened a long time when ago. when I was in like grade school. And then what like about young. What about ninth grade? Did he have anything to say about your grades then? <laughs> if he did, I wouldn't care at that point. <laughs> I was so angry at him, and I thought so little of him. But you're still a straight A student, though. Mm-hmm. So even though yep. you just, okay. Because I think maybe because of him <laughs> through grade school when he would criticize my B pluses and stuff. He beat that perfectionist into Yes. You. And I still today struggle with my perfectionism. Yeah. You I'm know same, I do. Yeah. I was, I was the same <laughs> way in, in school. I was a straight A student as well. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it was one of those things where you don't even have to try. Like public school is just a game. Mm-hmm. You just play it and whatever. Yeah, like for spe- like I grew up in a small town just like you did. It was yeah. a little bit bigger than here. But, I mean, my graduating class was like 88 people or something like that. It was small. 
So your parents just push you to get good grades and you listen to authority, I'm assuming a little bit, because that was kind of what did I it for just me. always had a healthy respect for authority. You know, I never questioned it. And it wasn't that I knew, like, I have to respect them or else I'm in trouble. But I always, luckily, with my teachers and stuff like that, we had, like, a give-and-take relationship mm -hmm. where they realized I was intelligent, I behaved well, but, and then they you know respected me and like especially in high school I made friends with a couple of my teachers and I could confide in them and then they tell you do this and you'll get an A and you're like okay authority no. figure I'll do this I get that's an A that's not what happened really? that never happened to me no well I mean as as a teacher like I mean you you talking about your healthy respect for authority like they just they give you the assignment and they say all right write me one page paper on this book or whatever. Oh, you mean like speaking to the whole class, not just me. Yeah, yeah, just to everybody. Oh, yeah, and then you're just fine. like, okay, yeah, I was taught to respect authority. I do respect authority. So, okay, I'll do it. And yeah. you turn in, you get an A and you played the game and you Absolutely. won. <laughs> That's Absolutely. I tell my students I mean, that a lot at school. I'm always like, guys, it's a game. Like, I sometimes really question if because I was favored for one reason or another, well, I don't, I, that sounded like I was favored, mm -hmm. but I wonder if I was favored because of what happened with my father or because I was so intelligent and so engaged. Yeah. I wonder, I do wonder if by some teachers I was favored. Mm -hmm. It's possible. It is. Like I said, I mean, I can think of two teachers I had that I was friends with, or at least I thought at the time, like they are my friends. Yeah. So where's your story go from there? <clears throat> from freshman year after my grandmother passing um yes. <sighs> i got caught smoking marijuana <laughs> by my mom where at well she didn't catch me in the act oh okay but she knew like the next day or whatever mm -hmm. and she made me quit like everything I was a cheerleader at the time my freshman year I was a varsity cheerleader she made me quit and I was kind of on lockdown and then I was dealing with stuff with my dad and stuff with my grandma and I just kind of went through the school year and I remember the last day of school my freshman year me and my dad were not getting along like we weren't even speaking at the time but he asked me if he could pick me up from school that day and take me to lunch and I was like okay you know like mm -hmm. I don't want to but I'll do it type of thing and we went to Panera Bread and I just remember he was trying to connect with me but I was so angry that I wasn't really giving him the time of day I was just like tolerating it if that makes sense yeah and then he dropped me off at my friend's house after that and for a week we didn't speak and then literally a week later he had died a week after my last day of school my freshman year he died he was gone hmm. and there's a lot of stuff also like in that spring that I could talk about but it makes him look like a bad person and he wasn't a bad person so I'm not sure I'm I want to talk about that stuff yeah that's fine <laughs> because he wasn't a bad person he just struggled with a lot of trauma from how he grew up mm -hmm. and then quitting drinking and quitting everything and being stone cold sober for the first time consistently basically his whole life he didn't know how to handle it 
and because of his trauma and because of his damage, he didn't know how to handle it and did what he did, which I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast yet, but he, my father committed suicide. Okay. He hung himself. So the end, so the end of your freshman year, your, your dad killed himself. Yes. What you're saying. Yes. That is tragic. It was, uh, intense. And then you have that experience where you remember that he was, he was trying to connect with you. He was. Mm-hmm. That was our last in-person interaction. And you. I think that was actually our last interaction. So you probably have a lot of. Guilt. had and yeah. Gu- I, I mean, still guilt, do. You're thinking about like, did, you know, why didn't I take that more serious or why didn't mm-hmm. I. That, but I, I mean, as imagine. a 15 year old girl mm-hmm. with your, <laughs> your dad, who was, who screwed over your mother multiple times. Like it's yeah. How can you not be angry? How can you not mm-hmm. treat that like it's not a big deal? Especially because I never really saw what happened. I never saw that coming. Mm-hmm. I mean, my dad was thirty nine when he passed away. He, in my eyes at that time, had so much more life. I never even thought that he would not be around anymore. Yeah. So I guess I took a lot of stuff for granted and was. I don't know. I don't know how to word it. <laughs> that is that is tragic and from what I know of your story, I believe that is sort of like a period on the first phase of your life. Mhm. That is Absolutely. That's the period at the end of the sentence at the end of that paragraph because from there forward things are going to change a little bit. So, okay, yeah. So, Quick we're going to No, well, we can stop there because okay. That is, like I said, it's starting to get good. I, I know, stop. but that is that's yeah. the perfect spot where uh, everything. Yeah, yeah. I so stop, I, I know that flow. I know, I know. <laughs> so this is going to be part one for sure. Okay. And when we when we do the second part of this, we're going to get together and we'll do part two. And there might be a part three. I don't know. We'll see where the story goes. But um, this is Taylor's life so far. So <laughs> come back. We'll see you guys next time.